You guys know I have this uh, theory I'm trying to develop that we can sue the, the, the Mockingbird media, including Silicon Valley, for pushing the useless, uh, harmful, and in fact, all too often deadly mRNA injections on people. And in a conversation about censorship of people by Silicon Valley, probably at the behest of governments with Dr. or with a Professor William Jacobson at Legal Insurrection, I brought up my theory. And he thinks it's a long shot that we could do this. But then he thought of something else. What immediately jumped to mind when you were describing this are the tobacco cases. That one of the theories, maybe the main theory against the tobacco companies, was that they concealed the dangers. And that they lured people into starting smoking without essentially full disclosure. Um, or people who were underage and things like that. So I think innovative lawyers could probably come up with theory. I think they could. And I know Silicon Valley and the Mockingbird media actively hides to this day what the injections are doing. Twitter just bans Mary Bowden, who has a $25 million lawsuit against uh, Southern Methodist University Hospital. They banned her because she tweeted government data. The VARS data of the 117 kids killed by these injections. We'll talk about the censorship and the government collusion with Professor William Jacobson of Legal Insurrection. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Great big, huge thanks to my friends at Bonefrog Coffee, bonefrog.us. Please do use the .us. Amazing coffee from a legend in the coffee business, both as mentor and actually roasting some of this stuff for them. And Navy veteran, 25-year Navy vet to Navy SEAL, Tim Cruikshank founded the company. It is a time of choosing, and one of the things I choose to do with a little bit of the privilege of being a podcaster is talk with people I really admire in the conservative movement. So it's with great pleasure I welcome a um, gentleman I've read forever uh, at the indispensable legalinsurrection.com. Uh, Professor William Jacobson joins us in the Todd Herman Show. Professor, such a great pleasure to have you back. Thank you for having me back. I always enjoy this. Um, you've been in this battle in ways that are unique to you, given your intellect and, and your background in law and your, um, your professorship, frankly. You've taught, taught us so much. You're tracking what appears to be, and I consider to be, a collusion between the government and Silicon Valley to shut down, and I consider it independent voices, not even necessarily just conservative voices, <laughs> And you wrote a piece recently about uh, some several states that are going to get expedited discovery 
um, to look into this. So how significant is that decision and how important is, is this right now uh, in the movement to maintain a free country? Well, I think it's critical because the issue in that case, it was brought by Missouri and Louisiana against the federal government and many others, which um, argues that the major tech companies, particularly Twitter and Facebook and others, are acting at the behest of the Biden administration in censoring speech of political opponents or people who disagree with their policies. And that's critical because normally the First Amendment would not apply to a private company maintaining its own website. But if they are acting at the instigation and direction of the government, now it becomes government action potentially, and therefore the First Amendment may be implicated. And so that's what they've alleged, and they've had a lengthy complaint and a lot of what I would call anecdotal evidence that um, the uh, statements that people have made, uh, other things, actions that have been taken, which would certainly lead one to think that they're acting at the government's um, uh, instigation. And so they filed this complaint and they're seeking an injunction and there's going to be a hearing on the injunction. But before they get to the hearing, the states wanted to take expedited discovery. Discovery means in the court context, you get to take testimony, you get to subpoena records, you get to ask written questions that they have to answer under oath. And so the big decision was the judge said, yes, that before we go to a hearing on this, the states will get to identify who has been talking to whom and potentially take testimony and doc get documents about that. The Attorney General of Missouri described that, um, declared that this was a huge event because now in his words, we're gonna get to look under the hood of what goes on at Twitter and these other companies. And that's the thing, we don't know what will be there. It might be all smoke and no fire, we don't know but it goes to a critical issue, which is, is the Biden administration acting as the government, but through private actors to censor political opponents? That's the important, I guess, um, tissue putting this all together and making it something of great import. If the government is in fact employing uh, Silicon Valley, and I would, I would wager it's not just Silicon Valley, but Silicon Valley, to censor Americans, does that make the these these social media companies sort of a de facto, almost deputized entity that we can then begin to treat like the government? Well, I don't know how far it will go beyond this lawsuit, these specific actions that they're taking. I don't think that would be enough in and of itself to treat them as the government for all purposes. But the question would be for the purpose of their maintaining or, or limiting speech on their platforms, are they government actors? And that's what the states are getting at. It doesn't mean they're government actors for every purpose under the world, but that would be a huge decision if they were to find evidence of collusion. And I think it's gonna have to be more than a, that the big tech companies are sympathetic to the Biden you know, uh, administration. I think they're gonna have to find the smoking gun. They're gonna have to find the person who in an email or a text message said something they wouldn't say publicly that shows that they are actually twisting arms and taking direction. Whether they find that or not, 
the mere fact that the judge says you will get to do this discovery doesn't mean all those documents are going to be turned over. There's going to be more litigation. I'm sure the tech companies are going to say, well, you know, just because the judge ruled you get discovery doesn't mean you get this. And they're going to have to go back to the judge. So the, the timetable the judge says, and I don't remember the exact timetable, but it was several months to get this done. It wasn't next week or something like that. And I think it's going to be well into next year before they ever have this hearing because there's going to be a lot of more fighting between now and that hearing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Washington Free Beacon writes um, about this, this exact dynamic. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention coordinated with social media companies and Google to censor users who express skepticism uh, of the so-called vaccines, the COVID shots. And they're, they're from this, they're drawing this from what they call a trove of internal communications obtained by the first America first legal and now viewed with the uh, Washington Free Beacon reporters. And they're describing various meetings between CDFC officials who would flag specific posts as examples of things they wanted to be taken down. Um, that seems to me, I mean, to be uh, at the very least the, the, the tip of the, I mean, the, tipping the hat that they intend to censor. If the CDC actually said censor these Americans and that actually made it in the court, Professor Jacobson, uh, what could happen to CDC officials or, or Silicon Valley executives if they were found to have colluded? It would be the same thing as any other government censorship. There would be uh, potentially some sort of damage remedy, but more likely, and really what the state seemed to be seeking, is some sort of relief preventing this from happening again. Now, how you would frame that, how you would word it could be very tricky. But I think that they, that's what they're really looking for. They're not looking necessarily to collect money. They're looking to expose it so the public knows what's going on. And then they would be looking for some sort of court remedy that would stop it. If this came to pass, and I know this requires speculation, um, Professor, I know people who've lost radio jobs because they were censored on social media. Um, I know people who have lost uh, medical jobs because they were determined to be uh, dangerous by social media companies, would that open the doorway for people who've been fired because of actions like this to then sue these companies because they were acting at the behest of government? I know that's a lot of speculation. Yeah, well, that's several steps removed from what I think this lawsuit is about. Yeah. This lawsuit, as far as I can tell, is not about a specific person losing a job sure. or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. It's really going to the interaction between the government and social media and big tech companies and trying to stop it. So I think, I don't think a ruling favorable to the states here would really give a particular individual a right to sue their employer who fired them. There may be other causes of action. There may be other claims about that, but the I don't think that that would, that one is really connected to the other. Okay. Um, maybe this is a little bit more connected. I'm going to broaden this because I see you're writing about medical schools and <laughs> you've tracked critical race theory better than anybody, I think, and, and what's going on in medical schools. Uh, but let me just ask this question. Uh, we're beginning to see the first payouts. Canada's had their first payout uh, for some a gentleman who was just grievously injured by these injections. 
Um, there are now, this is being harder and harder to hide. Mark Stein, great Mark Stein has done a whole week of programming on people injured by these injections. There are people who took these injections because they were never availed of the information that it might not be good for them. In fact, they were told that was disinformation. If Silicon Valley was engaged in helping to crush any questioning of these injections, uh, can one make a legal case that they were involved in pushing people down a, a terrible medical path that could have harmed them? Well, I think that would be a tough one, but what immediately jumped to mind when you were describing this are the tobacco cases. That one of the theories, maybe the main theory against the tobacco companies, was that they concealed the dangers and that they lured people into starting smoking without essentially full disclosure um, or people who were underage and things like that. So I think innovative lawyers could probably come up with theories akin to the tobacco company liability that they would pursue, could pursue, but the question would be, would they? The plaintiff's trial bar, the tort bar, so to speak, leans very heavily to the Democrats. They are big donors, the American Trial Lawyers Association. So will you get one of these tort firms, mass tort firms, to really go for this? I don't know. Uh, but those sort of lawyers are typically not Republican lawyers or conservative lawyers. They're typically Democrat or liberal lawyers. So there may be trouble getting somebody to invest the resources because the firms that pursued the tobacco companies, while they got a, a massive payout beyond imagination, they also invested a lot in those cases. I mean, they carried those cases for in the tobacco industry for decades okay. before they got the payout. So you would have to find a law firm that's willing to take on the Democrat administration, which is willing to take on the you know liberal affinity for these vaccines and is willing to take it on a contingency fee and pursue it. Wow. And I don't know if you find that. So it will be harder. I mean, that's the reality of the American legal landscape is that those sort of tort remedies find a lot more Democrat-leaning or liberal-leaning lawyers than the other way around. So, yeah, it's possible, and I think you might, but I think that could be a tough one because who's going who's gonna to bring the lawsuit and who's going to finance it? Yeah, you know, um, maybe Saul Alinsky was on to something when he said take over academia. Uh, he was an evil man. <laughs> maybe, yeah, he, maybe he yeah. was on to something. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at what has happened to our society, the left was extremely smart. They focused on first higher ed and then took over higher ed and then took over the colleges that train the teachers who go into K through 12. And really, you know, they deserve credit, if that's the right word, for accomplishing what 30 or 40 years ago nobody would have thought was possible. The complete capture of education from kindergarten through medical and law school. And then they have parlayed that into the capture of 
industry in the capture of corporations, most notably in the big tech area. And it's frightening to think, but the, you know, undergrad students who's got indoctrinated the stuff in, you know, at Oberlin College or um, Evergreen, whatever that school is <laughs> in Washington State. Yeah. I mean, they're the people sitting behind this computer screens at Twitter deciding what gets published and what gets taken down. And that's really so, you know, Saul Alinsky, um, you know, uh, the guy, I'm just blanking on his name now, who was Obama's mentor uh, in Chicago. Uh, they all went into academia. I mean, and they, they took it over. And while ever, the rest of the country was asleep, Bill Ayers, that's the name I'm thinking about, Bill Ayers. I mean, Weather Underground, okay? Yeah. He, escaped, he escaped conviction on some evidentiary issue in the government's case. Uh, I, I think that's what it was. And, you know, but this is a guy involved in a radical terrorist group who became Barack Obama's mentor who went into academia and guess what? His disciples are running academia. They're running the medical schools. They may not know they're running. They're his disciple, but they are. Yeah. And they're increasingly running K through 12. And now they're running corporations. Yeah. Bill Ayers and, and his wife, uh, Bernadine Dorn, she, she uh, blew up people, uh, bombed people. Bill Ayers said, um, guilty as hell, free as a bird. God bless America. The only time he's ever used God's name, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this. Um, They've gone into the the hard. They, they conquered the hard sciences, and I was reading your website uh, the other day. As I read legal insurrection multiple times a day, but um, you are expressing the opinion that now the medical schools are worse off than maybe even the law schools, and this is frightening because they're attacking now hard sciences. And we've seen this, of course, with the redefinition of of men as women. But now, Bill, I mean, Professor Jacobson, we're watching. Wikipedia says, oh, yeah, we'll change the definition of recession. Um, <laughs> we had the changing of the definition of the word vaccine, of, of what immunity means. They're, they're now in the hard sciences, and they intend to redefine the hard sciences. This is no longer just critical race theory. I mean, this is insanity. It's dangerous insanity. It's what's taking over everywhere. Five years ago, I wrote on the website that that everybody thinks STEM, the sciences and math, will be immune to this. I said, no, you just don't know what's going on. That in the future, this is it's already being corrupted. Five years ago, people just didn't know it. Right. And uh, and really, what happened is the riots and the movement after George Floyd's death gave an impetus and gave a bold, emboldened people to do stuff that they never thought could get through. And all these departments have declared themselves racist. All these departments in the sciences have declared that they are part of systemic racism. They've all committed to discrimination in order to remedy past discrimination, which is the Ibram Kendi formulation. And it really is a frightening thing. And in medical schools, from what we've observed, it is as strong, if not stronger, than in higher ed in general. And the perfect example of how it plays itself out is last December, the, one of the pharmaceutical or multiple ones came out with uh, 
antiviral medication for for pills for COVID, and they were in very short supply. And four states uh, put in protocols that would prioritize non-whites yes. getting those treatments. Okay, New York, uh, I think it was Minnesota, and there were two other states. After legal threats, all three out of the four backed down and weakened their protocols so that uh, they did not prioritize non-whites. But New York did not back down. And so actually I am the named plaintiff in a lawsuit against the state of New York over, because I work at Ithaca, in Ithaca. I, I'm a resident, a legal resident of Ithaca and in New York State. And what it says, what their protocols say, which are still in place, although they say there's no need to enforce them because there's not a short supply anymore, but they're still in place, is that you have to show certain factors if you want to these medications. Um, three out of the four were non-controversial. You have COVID, you have symptoms, and you uh, have um, sought the medication within five days. because it has to go. But the fourth one is you have to show a risk factor. If you are non-white, that is a risk factor. If you are white, you need to show you have a medical condition. You have heart ailment. So it's not that whites can't get them, but there's an extra hurdle. You have to show some physical ailment, whereas if you're non-white, whatever that means, and they never define it, what that means. But if you're non-white, you you get it. And so we sued. We're up in the Second Circuit Court of Appeals because the trial court said I did not have standing to sue because I wasn't sick with COVID when I filed the lawsuit and I hadn't been denied the medication. We think that's the analysis because the harm is the extra, the unconstitutional barrier that has been created based on race. It's not the denial of the medication. So when you have an equal protection claim and it's being forced to engage in extra steps based on race that another race does not have to do, that is the harm. Even if I were eventually to get it, I would still have suffered that constitutional harm. So that's up in the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. We'll see what happens. But that's a good example. This is real world stuff. This is not just, oh, they're teaching a medical school class on anti-racism and they're reading Ibram Kendi's book. Okay. This is real world things. This is now seeped into the medical community's actual care of patients. And uh, yeah, But New York dug their, has dug their heels in. And you know what? The American Medical Association and a bunch of medical associations have filed briefs in support of New York State. They think this is okay to to uh, administer or disperse medications based on race. That's how corrupted all of these organizations are completely corrupted when it comes to issues of race. They cannot be trusted, and it's a frightening situation. I I don't know how much longer this can go on. I don't know if it's going to get worse or it's going to get better, but all I try to do, as I know you try to do, is alert people to what's going on. Well, I, I yeah, I do, but I would say this too, that, that you do more than alert people. Um, I like to point out to people that information is only potential power. Um, it is potentialized when we take action on it. You founded the Legal Insurrection. Um, it's an investigative journalism 
um, fund and you go out and do investigative journalism, here you are a plaintiff in a lawsuit. You helped uh, the Gibson's Bakery people with that that attack on, on their speech and their right to gather as they see fit. So let's not sell you short because I believe also that you very wisely engage in targeted activism. I want my folks to know, the podcast family, the 2022 summer fundraiser uh, for Legal Insurrection's uh, work dismantling the woke infrastructures on now. There's a link to it in the podcast. And just when we uh, when we continue with the permission to get uh, 10 more minutes of your time, uh, I want to ask you about uh, actions that we can take now in light of some things that have gone on in England, uh, Professor, that I think are so incredibly encouraging. We're with uh, William Jacobson, Legal Instruction, LegalInstruction.com. Hey, look, things seem out of control. I get it. They do. There's one way that you can, can take control. We're just talking about these antiviral drugs. If you don't want to be in risk groups for things, lose unwanted body fat. It's, I mean, we talk about the joys of movements. You know, I've taken off 150 pounds and kept it off. You know, that I love my CrossFit. I know I'm, I'm coming back by my shoulder and she's getting better. I can do some things. Um, you know about that and the joy of movement. Then there's also the fact that you are more likely to die the more body fat you carry. And the party doesn't have any concern for that. They'd like to get you on a, some anti-diabetes drugs or pre-diabetes, like to get you into diabetes drugs. They'd like all that, um, that you can take control of this and you can do this in a compassionate way. And I always want you to know, my dad was, was morbidly obese and clearly I loved him. I miss him every day of my life. So I don't judge anybody for carrying extra body weight, um, but I do judge this. If you know it and you know you've not been able to approach it on your own, and you, you, you can go to sodaweightloss.com now and get a phone call with them. I do judge your decision to not do it. And some people will say, well, it's too expensive. It might be. And you don't know that yet. Because compared to spending life with extra fat in your body, it might be the best investment you've ever made. You might not be able to not afford it, in other words. So they will tell you when you call them how much unwanted fat you're going to lose per week on average, not on average, when in your case in specifics. And if you're going above that, they'll slow you down, believe it or not, because if you lose weight too quickly, it comes back. That's my 150 pounds has stayed off. If you're not losing it quickly enough, they'll chat with you about changes to the program. They'll provide you the food, the support, their healthcare providers from background. That's what they do. It's SodaWeightLoss.com. My wife's on it. Family members are on it. And podcast family has just been so happy with the results. SodaWeightLoss.com. So, Professor Jacobson, you may have read uh, that the Tavistock Center in England got shut, got shut down, had to shut its doors. This was ground central for the chemical and surgical um, just, I think it's, I think it's mutilation of children, um, who've gotten just conned into gender rebellion and, and even given gender dysphoria. It's, it's, it's a remarkable thing that's being shut down. And you know, what happened is people who got abused spoke out, detransitioners spoke out. They said, look what they've done to me. I would like my breasts back. I'd like my, my body parts back. That's happened. A woman named Allison Bailey won the right to speak the truth in her workplace. She was fired for saying men are men, women are women. Um, that's coming from the same medical establishment, this, this horribly disfigured, mentally disfigured medical establishment, you know, corrupt as it is. 
they're winning some things over there. That's England. So I'm of the, the opinion that one of the things that we need to do in our country is get much better at being uncomfortable, speaking, speaking truth gracefully in public and refusing to participate. And I'll give you an example. Um, Professor, when I was still working in corporate America, we had a training and someone brought up the topic of white privilege. And I raised my hand, then I kept my hand up. And finally, the trainer said, yes, may I help you? I said, when are we discussing black privilege? And she, she thought I was kidding. She kind of laughed. I said, I'm not kidding. When will, be, when will we be discussing black privilege or blackness? We're going to talk about whiteness. Are we going to talk about Asianness? Or are we going to call it yellowness? And she was offended and said, I think that you need to examine your privilege. And I said, I'm going to examine my privilege by asking again, if we're not going to cover this, then I'm leaving. Because we're not here to talk about race. We're here to talk about white people. And I didn't get fired. People were uncomfortable, but I left. And I never had to go to another training. Um, is speaking enough? Is speaking truth and grace and being honest? I mean, is that enough to get people thinking? Or what would you, what do you advise, Professor? Well, it's tough. And I think everybody needs to view their own situation. Because while you didn't get fired because of it, in a lot of companies, a person in that position would. And then, you know, most people can't afford that. I mean, I think I saw a figure, you know, 58% of the people in this country live paycheck to paycheck. So that is a real threat if they're going to be risk, have their job at risk. So it is a real problem. There is a, a, a bullying that goes on, particularly in the workplace, but even on campuses. It's interesting that you mentioned the term black privilege. A professor in University of Central Florida tweeted something very similar, Charles Nagy, right after George Floyd. He said something along the lines of, when are we going to talk about black privilege? Uh, there were protests. They had, the police had to go into police protection. The president of the university participated in the protest. They knew they couldn't fire him because it was First Amendment protected because he worked at a public university. They then launched a seven-month investigation of him. A team of investigators interviewed 300 people going back. He'd been there, I, I forget the exact number of years, almost 20 years. So they found the man, and then they tried to find something to get him on. And they drummed up complaints by people who never complained about something that happened 12 years ago. And they fired him. And he went to a union grievance because the professors there are unionized. And he won, and he's being reinstated. But the point is, that that is, in many places, a fireable offense. That and, and people need to judge for themselves. It would be easy for me or somebody else to say, oh, speak your mind in the workplace. I mean, it's easy to say that, but you know, there are, can be consequences, and that's a terrible thing because easy to say that somebody should uh, you know, do that, but it, there can be real-life consequences, and I think people need to judge for themselves whether they can you know, take the risk of that. And it's not for me to say, but somebody's got to speak up, whether it's politicians, whether it's people in the media, whoever it happens to be, but somebody has to speak up against what's happening. Yeah. And, and I would say this, uh, Professor, that, that there's we, we do have some spheres where we have greater influence in our homes. Uh, we need to reinforce with our kids biological uh, realities. We need to reinforce with our kids 
race realities. If we're people of faith, you know, this show is a faith-driven show. We need to reinforce that God is the God of all people and that God loves and appreciates his creation. We have to do this every single day. And I don't know where you're at with this as we wrap up with Professor Jacobson, um, but Professor, I am of the opinion, and I know that there are people who can't, but I'm of the opinion, if, you, if there's any way possible, you must get your kids out of the government schools. Um, to do otherwise is simply to turn them over to be programmed. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's why there's a surge of homeschooling. That's why school choice is so important, although you have to be very careful with private schools because some of them are pretty bad. But I, I think that's right. You have to get, you either have to change your local school district so they're not doing this, or you have to get your kids out because otherwise you're going to be faced with kids you don't recognize who have bought into this for too many years. And I know a lot of people in my generation, we just sent the kids to public school. and then, you know, when the students come out completely leaning to the left, we wonder how did that happen? Well, it happened because you let somebody else raise your kids, at least during the day. And so I think that's really so fundamental that the homeschooling and the school choice movement when it comes to K through 12 are really the key to uh, breaking the grip of the teachers unions and the bill heirs of the world who've taken over a lot of places. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And remember this, your kids are going to go play with the kids who go to government schools. Um, so the more you can do to help homeschooling in your community and get into your school districts. And my wife's a teacher and she'll tell you there's no such thing as local school districts while stuff is coming down from on top of D.C. So uh, I don't think our hope comes from government, but getting some good people in who are willing to get, a, get rid of the National Education Association's influence um, and then the uh, Department of Education's influence. This is an unneeded entity. Um, Bill Jacobson, William Jacobson, professor, it's an honor to have you on. I always enjoy it. It's legalinsurrection.com. And this fundraiser is ongoing. Um, the professor fights battles we don't. That They've tried to cancel him. Just so everybody knows this. The man you're listening to, they have an ongoing battle to try to cancel this man as a professor. He's winning so far. I do encourage you to support the fundraiser because we can't let them... Um, due to Professor Jacobson, what they've done to others. So if you can find a way to do it, support the fundraiser. It's a link in the podcast. It's legalinsurrection.com. And uh, I just, I wish you God's good grace. And I'm so thankful for your work, Professor. Thank you, Todd. I always enjoy speaking with you and all the support you've given over the years. We are always happy uh, to support what we can. Um, and we get the thrill of doing that uh, in a pretty fun way, podcasts. It is not a cost-free endeavor, and the Lord has blessed us with great partnerships, absolutely great partnerships. Talking with the guy who did the t-shirts, and yeah, this is <laughs> this is going to be the last run for a little while. Uh, we need to catch up. So just heads up, if you haven't gotten yet the Todd Herman Show t-shirts, at the ToddHermanShow.com, you go to the store. There's two different t-shirts, and I've heard your feedback. So we hear that you want some, um, some further designs. Got it. Uh, some women have said they want women's cuts. I thought we did that. So I apologize. We will do that and feature those. And that apparently there's some, some brothers who like to wear the V-necks. We'll do that. But I'm also looking at some other things we'll put into the store. But just a heads up that the T-shirts, uh, this, this is going to be the second run. And it looks like another thousand out the door. 
So if you haven't gotten them yet, it's a great way to promote the show. It's a great way to start a conversation. It's a great way to have an opportunity to share about Jesus uh, because of the way the shirts are designed. The name of the show is on the back. That's quite on purpose. And on front, it says, the only knee we take is to the Lord. And then the two renderings, one, the Lion of Judah, great conversation piece because people don't know what that means. And the other is the Lion of Judah with the cross of Christ. And it allows you an opportunity to share your faith with people because we're called to make disciples. It's, it's what we're called to do. So ToddHermershow.com, click on the store. There are emails and then there are emails. Marcus from Kansas City, Kansas writes, I started listening to your program because a friend sent it to me. And now I am, this is a hard, and now I am stuck very listening to it. I'm going to guess that Marcus wrote this from his phone because it seems he was in an emotional state. You are like all right wingers trying to take Jesus for yourself to own religion and the Bible. My friend sent this because you talked about COVID. I agree. Shots are nonsense. Ain't taken one, not going to, haven't. Then I hear you trying to take ownership of Jesus for Republicans. How do you square Republicans with Jesus at all? Jesus was not a Republican. Marcus, Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, Marcus, Ben, I appreciate you sampling the show. And I wish you'd given us a real, a real way to reach you back. Uh, but you're not returning emails. So you're right. The Lord Jesus is not a Republican. Uh, in fact, the Lord Jesus is not a member of a country, a citizen of a country. He's, he's the king. We, we can only be members of his kingdom. And man, I wish you had given me an example where you feel like I've taken, uh, tried to make the Lord Jesus a Republican. I think what I've said that you might be responding to is the fact that God, and then by extension, of course, Jesus is part of the Godhead, is, is pro-life. Uh, I, we know that because he knitted us together in the womb. He knew us before we were born. We're wonderfully and fearfully made. He knew the hairs on our heads. He knew our names before we were born. And when the Lord Jesus, or pardon me, when the Godhead, Father God, says a thing is to be done, it's already done. So in, in, in the view of the Alpha and Omega, you, all, you were always going to exist in this time. And he is the bringer of life, the creator of life. Therefore, if in his mind life has been created, well, then life exists. So I've said that. I've said that God is pro-free speech. And, and this is the funniest thing to me. As I watch the party scramble to shut down speech, as we just talked about with the good professor, as I watch them scramble to shut down speech, I'm, I'm ever more just brought to amusement by the fact that, that God himself debated people. Uh, God in human form, that the word made flesh actually debated people whom he could have made disappear. He could have struck down by lightning. He could have dissolved their molecules and, and reformed them as a cue ball. But he didn't because he, he entertained the debate. 
So Marcus, man, I am not hearing where we, we ever make this show or ever try to square Jesus with any political party. In fact, it's quite to the disappointment of many fellow conservatives when I communicate that if you went to the Lord Jesus and you said, are you going to rescue America? The Lord Jesus might say, what is America? And you might hand him a flag and he might look at it and go, uh, that's the flag. Render that unto Caesar. And let's you and I talk about my father in heaven. That's not a very Republican thing, Marcus, to say. And I firmly believe that if we do that, we get the great consolation prize of rescuing the United States, the greatest consolation prize ever. Rescuing the United States if we turn to God. But if we don't, then the United States falls. And we, we, if we don't turn people to God, then we fail God. We lose the country and we lose much, much more. So I, I hope we can find a way to reach you. I, I'm truly curious about where you heard what you heard. Lynette, Casper, Wyoming. Dear Todd, thank you for continuing to mention Rush's name. Like most of your listeners, I learned about you through Rush's show. And it's refreshing that you aren't going to let his memory go, it appears. He established the form of talk radio that so many people practice, although I have to admit, sadly, it's changing. I think Sean Hannity and, the Mar and Mark Levin are maybe the last two people really practicing one man in a microphone. I'm not a fan of partner shows. I never heard the one you did. I probably would have hated it. I also wanted to thank you for continuing to speak a truth that has bothered people for a long time. It's finally hit Casper, Wyoming. We have a neighbor who's moved in next to us and the son pretends to be a girl. And this is new to our community. We are responding with grace and love, doing what we can, but we've already decided as an entire block that we will not pretend that this boy is a girl. I felt bad having a meeting behind his back and his parents, but when we learned they were moving here, we decided that our priority is, number one, to protect our children from this, this ideology. But it's also our job to help protect this young man. They, they must have moved to Casper for a reason. His parents seem like perfectly sane people, and yet they entertain this with the pronouns. I'm at a loss. I'm not going to allow this boy around my kids without supervision. They already know that. Here he's learned that. And yet I want to witness to this boy. How do we do this? Lynette, Casper, Wyoming. Lynette, you're doing it. You are the second person I know in this circumstance. I have a friend of mine who was in this exact circumstance, except in that case, it was a girl. And she and her husband made a very similar decision. Not with the block. They didn't do the block planning. I applaud you doing that, by the way. Now, be the face of God to the degree that you can. Pray that the Lord will have his, sh his face shine through you. That when that boy encounters you, he encounters someone who's not using the pronouns, but loves. And I suggest when the opportunity arises and the time is right, speak very truthfully to the young man on why you will not use the pronouns. And it might go something along the lines of, I care too much for children to lie to them. You don't get to choose your, your sex. And genders become another word for sex. You, you don't get to do that. Um, but you're, 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 and find the areas in which you admire this boy. I'm sure there's great traits about him. But you're already doing it. 
And make sure that he experiences the last thing that the gender jackers would tell him to experience. Because if the family moved him there, there must be some reason. And eventually, I'm sure you'll find out. But let him not experience in Casper what he's been told he's going to experience, which is hatred and bigotry. Stand firm, but stand in love. Don't exclude, but you're very wise to not allow him around your kids because he could brainwash them and influence them. So I love the stance that you've taken. Tina, Tacoma, Washington. Todd, is it me or were you moved to tears last week when you were talking about antidepressants in your daughter? You've always said you'll be honest with us. And so I'm asking, did I hear you crying? If so, will you tell us why? Tina from Tacoma, Washington. Um, I've told you everything I can tell you. Faced with $30,000 cash per month for a treatment facility because we were in this journey as a family, broken kid, broken family. And looking at the money going out the door, I overrode my parental instincts and agreed to pills. And now she carries that weight. And my wife carries that weight because my wife is helping her step off the pills because oddly pharma doesn't have step down kits. I was mentally thinking I prided myself on protecting my kid. And there's that word pride. Pride. And in that case, I failed. I don't think I tried to hide that I was crying, Tina. I cry about it. I do. And my solace is that God is forgiven. My wife has forgiven me that. It was my daughter's idea. She pushed for the pills, but she was a kid, kiddo, and I should have said no. I think she's forgiven me for that. I pray it. We are our kids' protectors. Thursday on the program, there is a new song, uh, or at least first time I've heard it, by Five Times August. It's on that exact topic. And I saw a performance at one of the uh, Defeat the Mandates events. Thursday's program, uh, we're going to talk about this, this, this movie, this Amazon TV show, The Terminalist. Yeah, there's a COVID thing in there. It's hidden, but it's hidden in broad daylight. This is The Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And... Like in the decision I made about the pills, you know what I didn't do? I didn't stop and pray. I used my own wisdom, which was affected by human emotion. Let's stop and pray on everything, but on those big decisions, let's stop and pray.